Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. So Father, we love you, and we thank you for being together tonight, God. We thank you for for marriage. We thank you for your divine plan, God, of of bringing uh, husbands and wives together, God, to be as one and to live as one, and and to in that in that union, God, in that covenant, to to glorify you, God. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the wisdom that you're that you're pouring into us and teaching us as a congregation, God, and how to have a healthy, strong marriage. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and minds tonight, that you have our attention, that you encourage us and strengthen us and correct us and equip us. I just bless every family. I bless every marriage that's here in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that they live in the fullness of all of your intentions and purpose for marriage, God. I pray that there's that there's nothing uh, undone in them, God. And so I just bless them with health and strength and fullness and glory and joy and peace, God, and all of your plan for the, for the union of marriage. So we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to get launched. We're going to try to finish tonight um, and um, got some good things to share with you. So I just kind of want to do a really quick recap. So you guys all should have uh, everything from the last four weeks. Um, I've handed them out. If you're coming in now and don't have notes for week one, two, three, and four, I have them here. Glenn has tonight's notes, so come and get one from him uh, if you if you didn't get one already. So here's our uh, just a little bit of recap. So we started that first week and we talked about the five essential aspects of marriage: uh, being fully committed. There's no plan B when we enter into covenant. Being united, the whole purpose of oneness. Um, being being intimate, the intimacy in, in the relationship of marriage, physically, emotionally, spiritually, the purpose in marriage, and then that marriage is meant to be complementary of one another. So we talked about those. We spent the first two weeks identifying the four seasons of marriage, breaking down what spring and summer and fall and winter marriages look like. We do not have to enter into winter, but it is a reality that is out there that a lot of people end up in. Fall is the warning month. Something's off here. I'm starting to feel disconnected, right? Um, spring is is the season of we've come. We're, we're just starting. We're excited. We're planning. Uh, or we've come through fall or winter, and we've we've reconnected. Now we've kind of got new, fresh excitement, and we're launching again. It's the it's the cultivating and the planning season. And then summer is the harvest season. That's the season where we we want to get to and stay in. That's where we're reaping um, all that all of that seed that we've sown in spring and then we want to learn how to maintain being in the in the summer season so that those are the four seasons here's the key that you've heard the last three weeks our emotions our attitudes and our actions determine the season of our marriage okay I, I started by talking about how life changes all the time we change we change physically um, life changes we got stuff that happens in our lives stuff that we go through that causes hurt and pain or disagreements or you know loss of life whatever that it is but those things ultimately are 
the things that determine the season of our marriage, because that's just going to happen. What determines the season of our marriage is our response to the change in our lives as we go through them. And that comes down to our emotions, our attitudes, and our actions, okay? So that was kind of our first two weeks. And then last week, I started teaching you on the seven seven actions to enhance the quality of your marriage, um, how, to, how to either bring you into spring or summer or how to maintain a spring and summer marriage, but seven actions to enhance the quality of your marriage, and we did the first three. So the first one was dealing with past hurts and failures, and I broke down the process on how to do that. A lot of people go through things, and there's things that happen in their marriage. They get they get through it, but they don't get over it. And so a key to sustaining and maintaining a healthy relationship is dealing with those past hurts and failures. So I gave you guys a process of how to talk about it, what to do to help to help actually heal from those things where they don't continue to resurface and recycle. So if you missed that, go back and listen to last week's and then the second one that I talked about was choosing a winning, a winning attitude. And, and basically that one was learning how to break the cycle of negative thinking. Learning how to break the cycle of negative thinking. So that was number two. And then the third one was identifying and learning to speak your spouse's love language, okay? Which is so important because a lot of times we give... We give our own love language, but a lot of times that's not the love language of our spouse, and it's not going to fill them up the way that they need to. It's going to impact them. They're going to appreciate it, but we need to learn each other's primary and secondary love languages and then pray to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to help us learn how to, how to give that to our spouse. So the third one was identifying and learning to speak your spouse's love language. It's words of affirmation, Acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. You guys remember what mine is? What's what's Lori's? What was her second one? Quality time. Amen. So go through, and and I know those those things are so powerful. We've all heard those things before, but. Um, but a lot of times we're not recognizing them and we're not, we're not giving that language to our spouse. And it is so critical. So, so those were the first three actions that I talked about that will enhance the quality of your marriage. So I'm going to do the last four tonight. We're going to finish with these. And I'm going to spend the most time on this one. Okay. So on your notes there, it's number four. And I want to talk about how to develop the power of empathetic listening, developing the power of empathetic listening. So I'm talking about marriage right now, but I just want to drop a side note. Applying this to every person in our life would change our relationships with coworkers, with friends, with family, with everyone, but it primarily, you know, we're talking about marriage tonight, but this is such a powerful thing to learn. So develop the power of empathetic listening. So, so what I'm talking about is how to have healthy communication. Um, in marriage, nothing is more fundamental than talking and listening. So this simple transaction 
of, of communicating is the vehicle that allows couples to process life together, and the goal is to do it as one. How many of you know we're teammates, right? One's not a coach, and the other one's not a player. Like, we're both teammates in this thing, so learning how to do that rightly. So open communication is the lifeblood that keeps a marriage healthy and growing stronger. On the other hand, failure to communicate properly is what will keep a marriage from, from being healthy and growing, often leading to fall and winter. When we talked about the fall and winter seasons in the first two weeks, one thing that was identified in both of those things were broken and wrong harmful communication, and then therefore often just the lack of it other than what we need to talk about to survive, right? Like who's going to get the kids or when's dinner going to be done, but nothing nothing that's, that's getting into each other's hearts. So just a quick note. Recent study says 87% of people who had failed marriages said it was primarily due to deficient communication, now, that often leads to a lot of other things that then could become the ultimate cause of it. But when you follow that route all the way back, 87% said that it was a failure of commu in communication. So the key to improving communication is developing the power of empathetic listening. So what does that mean? That's what I want to talk about. Developing the power of empathetic listening. This will change your marriage and change some of the relationships with other people that you're in if we'll learn how to do this with the help of the Lord. So empathy means the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. The ability to understand and then share their feelings, okay? It's, to, it's, it's seeking to walk in his or her shoes. Now, how many of you know most of the time when we're communicating, we're communicating to get them to understand our shoes, right? But that's typically how we communicate. Not to get in their shoes, not to feel what they're feeling, but for them to feel what we're feeling, okay? And so empathetic listening is that. And, and it's, to see from, it's to see from his or her perspective. I want to see when Laura and I have something going on and I've got my perspective, but I want to I see it from her. I want to see it from how she's feeling. Um, it's seeking to understand what they are experiencing, their thoughts, their, their feelings, and their desires. That is empathetic listening. So, so basically then, empathetic listening encourages the other person to talk because they know they're going to be heard. How many of you know people in your life that if you knew you were going to talk to them right now, you're probably not going to be heard? Anybody? I would say probably all of us have people like that, and maybe some of us, right, some of you here know that that might be your spouse. Well, we're going to learn later in the last one how to break that, because um, anyways, I, I'm gonna, I, I could get sidetracked on that one, I'm not going to, but I'm going to repeat myself. Everybody okay? Empathetic listening encourages the other person to talk because they know that they'll be heard. Man, that is my heart for my wife. I want her without a shout of doubt to know that no matter what she's feeling or what she's going through, whether I agree or disagree, that if she comes to me, that she's going to be heard. And I'm going to care about how she's feeling, whether it's right or wrong. How I many you know that's a valuable thing? That's a great gift to give one another, isn't it? 
So the problem is, is by nature, we tend to be judgmental listeners, not empathetic listeners, right? Like that's just kind of our, that flesh that we're supposed to be crucifying daily. But so we often evaluate what the other person says kind of based on our own view of the situation. Then we respond by pronouncing our own judgment upon them. And then we wonder why our spouse won't open up to us anymore. And then all of a sudden, we've got a breakdown in communication. We're in the early or mid or late season of fall, and we're feeling distant. We're feeling lonely. We're feeling disconnected. We're starting to feel rejected. And all that will ultimately lead us right into the cold season of winter if we don't do something about it. Amen. How many of you know there's always hope? No matter where you're at, there's hope. No matter where your spouse is at, there's hope. God can change them. God changed me. My wife prayed for me when I was not the man that I needed to be, and I'm still not the man that I want to be, but I sure thank God I'm not the man that I used to be. Come on, somebody. Okay. So um, I don't know if I put this in your notes or not, but um, it's just kind of like two different sides of this. But egocentric listening is viewing the conversation through our own eyes. And that's how we enter into a lot of conversations, especially whenever our emotions are involved in it, or we've been hurt, or whatever that it is, is we often, go, we often operate in egocentric listening, viewing the conversation through our own eyes. Empathetic listening, again, is viewing the conversation through our spouse's eyes. I want to see why you feel the way that you feel. I want to understand where you're at, and I want to validate where you're at. That is empathetic listening, okay? So the goal, the goal of empathetic listening is to see from your spouse's perspective and understand what they are experiencing and feeling inside. Um, their perceptions and their feelings, okay? Everybody good so far? Don't you want your spouse to feel empathetic listening from you? Amen? So Lord, help us. So I think I have this in your notes, but I'm going to give you just kind of break down a little bit. Four, four, aspects, of, four aspects of empathetic uh, listening. Uh, again, um, i got to be careful for time, but... Um, I gave you that that percentage of 87%, but just as your pastor, I can just tell you um, where, where, where the majority of breakdown in relationships originate from is the breakdown in communication. It's the breakdown of, of, of having egocentric listening and not empathetic listening. It is the, I'm going in this and I'm going to make sure that they know that I'm right or whatever that it is. And, and, and how many know ultimately a lot of that is just selfish, right? Right? Everybody nod your head, help me. It just is. Amen. And so God, help us break out of that. Help us love, love our spouses well. And then let us, let us begin to operate in this even outside of that realm, God, with the people that you have around us. So the, the, first, the first aspect is that empathetic listener, for empathetic listeners, is to approach every conversation with the attitude of trying to understand the other person. So I'm not going in it to win it. I'm not going in it to prove my point. Um, I'm, I'm going in it as an empathetic listener 
with the attitude of trying to understand my wife. I want to understand why she feels the way that she feels, what's going on inside of her, what's going on to in both of these are, are important, what's going on in her heart, what's going on with her feelings, and then also what's going on in her mind, what's going on in her perception of what happened or what didn't happen or whatever that it may be, right? So the, that's, that's a key. So again, the first, the first aspect of empathetic listeners is to approach every conversation with the attitude of, I want to understand you. I want to understand what you're feeling, what's in your heart, and I want to understand your perception, what's in your mind. And this leads to an intimate marriage that fulfills God's purpose for marriage, okay? So I don't know if I typed it out or not. Did I put on there Proverbs 18.2 for you guys? Did I type it out? Isn't that powerful? <laughs> huh? I didn't type it out. Oh, you me tell you? Are you sure? Because it'll slap you. This is what it says. A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. (laughs) If these didn't cost so much, I would do a mic drop, but I'm not going to. Guys, I don't want to be a fool, but but yet I'm I'm almost always right. (laughs) Seriously. I think I'm always right. I mean, my perception is definitely always right. Come on. A fool has no delight in understanding, but just in expressing his own heart. God help us. It says in 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, it says, Wives, do not let your adornment be outwardly. In other words, it goes on and kind of it, it talks about, you know, your long, the long hair or uh, your makeup or your jewelry or, you know, what, what's outward. So wives, do not let your adornment be outward, but rather let it be hidden Uh, Let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. (laughs) I'm just going to leave that there. And then, guys, it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife. And a lot of places in Scripture where it talks about giving honor, it means to prefer. So give preference to your wife. It's powerful. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, dwell with your wife with understanding, to understand them. Both of these things lead to empathetic listening, okay? So that's, that's, the, first, that's the first aspect. The second aspect of empathetic listening is choosing to withhold judgment on your spouse's ideas, thoughts, and feelings. Choose, cho- choose to withhold judgment on how they feel or their perspective on something, okay? Praise God for maturity, amen? Because when I was younger, I would be laying in bed, and <clears throat> so I always knew when Lori was upset because I could feel the bed shaking a little bit. It'd be her foot going like this, you know? And it'd be kind of be, be like, oh, man, should I even open this up right now? 
And uh, I know something's wrong. So I'm like, okay, honey, what, what, what's wrong, you know? And she would then maybe begin to tell me, you know, something that I did or didn't do or maybe in a way that I hurt her or this or that. Of course, us, we're usually oblivious that we did that. And so then I then would per, then continue on then to let her know that she is wrong in her thinking and that I didn't do that or I didn't mean it that way or this or that or whatever. And I was completely not doing the second, second aspect. I was, I was giving judgment for how she shouldn't have felt that way or whatever that it is and the whole time all I need to do is 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 to validate that her feeling was real and recognize how that I'm sorry that in whatever way that she's been hurt or how I hurt her or whatever that it may be but the second aspect of empathetic listening is when when we share with one another is choosing to withhold judgment on them for again for their thoughts for their feelings for their ideas whatever that is and I'm going to jump down the third aspect of empathetic listening is to affirm your spouse even when you disagree with them, to affirm your spouse, even when you disagree with them. Keep in mind, our goal in this is to be able to open up each other's hearts and to fully understand them and for them to understand us and to be open and honest and transparent and not judging how each other feels or what we think or whatever. So the third aspect then is to affirm. Affirm even when you disagree with them. Validate their feelings and their and, and, and that their feelings and that their thoughts are, are real. Um, express your appreciation to them for being open and being honest with you. Because um, when, you, when you affirm your spouse verbally, what we end up doing in that is giving give we give them freedom to have different ideas thoughts and feelings right that that differ from from us and so um, affirming that is so important man Lori I am so so sorry that you feel that way I can see that it hurts I can see that this is real that's the only thing that matters to me in that moment with my wife the person that I love the most in life whether I agree with with how she feels or not, the only thing that matters is, is my wife feels this way and I want to validate that. I want her to know that I see that. And if she hurts, I hurt. If she rejoices, I'm rejoicing. Come on, everybody good? You guys got anything to say? Because I, I just keep on blazing. Everybody good? Is this helping? Does anyone need the Lord to help them learn empathetic listening better? <laughs> just me? All right, y'all come and lay hands on me then. <laughs> so the fourth aspect of empathetic listening is that you don't share your own thoughts and feelings with your spouse until they feel understood. Remember, the heart of empathetic listening is to understand how they feel, right? to understand their perception and to understand their feelings. So if that's our go in it, then we're going to listen and we're not going to share our thoughts and feelings until we've understood, until until we've withheld our, our judgments, our thoughts, our sermons. I've done that before too, you know, when she would share with me something, how she would feel, and I would just go right off to, you know, scripture verses. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> she knew all of those, even though I could come back later and reinforce that, but 
in that moment, that's she didn't need me to preach to her. She just needed me to, to. She just needed me to see and feel and understand what she was feeling in that moment. Is that is that good? And so, um, don't share your thoughts and feelings with your spouse until they feel under understood. So that's the fourth aspect of it. Seek to understand. Seek to understand before you before you seek to be understood. Empathetic listening. Seek to understand before you uh, before you seek to be understood. Learn learn this. Learn the power of empathetic listening. And again, it all comes back to what I taught those first two weeks, and that is us bring us bringing our emotions in alignment with the Word of God, having the right attitude that then lead us into having the right actions, and the right actions is empathetic listening. Okay, all right. So that's number four. Everybody good with that one? Okay, Lord help us, right? So the fifth one is discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. Discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. Again, I'm talking about these um, um, seven principles and learning how to um, enhance the quality of our marriage. So the fifth one is discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. Let me talk about that one for a minute. So with that in mind, our focus should never be on what our spouse can do for us, right? But on what we can do for them to taking it all the way back to the first week on the purpose of marriage, all the way back to Genesis and us being helpmates with one another. And so when you think about this perspective of like, like living our life, you know, my, my wife is, you know, all the way across the country right now because I want to see her succeed. Like, this has been a dream of hers. It's been in her heart. She's felt it for a long time, and we knew that it, never, it wasn't the right time. But the moment we knew that it was the right time, we stepped out in faith, and there she is, and here I am, and we're both doing great, but we miss each other. But, man, I talk to her, and I, I, I hear what she's experiencing, what she's learning, what she's going through, and I... I, I, I blessed her and put her on that plane and sent her there because I want to be a part of helping my wife succeed. And when you look at this, whether it's our spouse or other people in our lives, um, you can't help someone uphill, uphill without getting closer to the top yourself. It's the opposite of our culture today. Culture today says step on everyone else's heads because that's going to get you up there faster. But if you want to do it biblically, and, and you may do that, but if God's not in it, you may get all of it. But that, that, that whole tower is going to come crumbling down. But if you'll honor God and you'll love people, and if you push other people to succeed and you push them uphill, the further you push them uphill, the closer to the top you're going to be. But that is, and I feel like we see that and we know that in part in a general sense, but we need to learn how to apply that to our marriage. So my thought on this when I was studying this is, it, 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 I, it, I felt like the Lord just kind of took me to the scripture um, where Jesus demonstrated this whenever he, um, you know, whenever he washed his disciples' feet, right? And in doing that, how he demonstrated humility, he demonstrated love, and he demonstrated true leadership, right? And then, and then at the end of that, he says now, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to 
get this wrong a little bit, but in the, in the broad scale, he says, now, as I've done to you, do to one another. So if you take that statement, well, that's not going to become any more real than in marriage, right? So if we're going to wash anyone's feet, feet washing starts in our home. It starts with our spouse. Don't wash my feet before you wash your spouse's feet. Come on. Don't, don't wash your, your best girlfriend's feet if you're, until you're washing your husband's feet. So the, <laughs> so the thought on that is, well, I'll tell you what, once he straightens up, I wash his feet. You know I'm right. <laughs> Some of you are like, mm, I ain't getting close to those feet right now. Unless I got a rope to tie them up. <laughs> Jesus washed a whole bunch of men's feet that didn't deserve to be washed. Come on. I'm just being real with you guys tonight. I mean, this is my last class, and I'm just saying, discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed, man. So Jesus did this, and he washed their feet, and... I was thinking, husbands, are you willing to humble yourself to such a degree that you'll serve your wife? That you'll serve your wife no matter how she's serving you? And wives, are you willing to serve your husbands in such a way uh, regardless of how they're serving you? True greatness is expressed through serving, not by seeking our own agenda or what we're doing. So discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. I think I put some different things on your notes right there. But... um, Here's just a few a few simple things that I feel like we need to maybe go home and talk about and begin to put in place. Um, but I, I think I put on your notes there three simple questions to help your spouse succeed in, or, or how, 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 learning how to serve them. And so I think, I think wouldn't it be nice to sit down sometimes with, with your spouse? Or how would you feel if your husband or wife just, you know, tonight when you got home or whatever, just sat down on the couch next to you and said, sweetheart, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? What can I do, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to, to help life be easier for you? Um, that was number two. How can I make your life easier? So I just jumped into that one. Number three, how can I, how can I, how can I, what can I do to be a better better wife? What can I do? What can I do for you to be a better husband? Um, just simple, simple things. And then, and then you, you serve them in these ways. Then you, you step up and you, you pray and you ask the Lord to help you and, and you begin to meet those needs and you serve one another as husband and wife. And, um, and, and then I think the other one is, you know, without asking, um, you know, you just begin to think about what, what desires has, what desires has your has your spouse expressed to you that they have, you know, and you kind of think back on those things, and then those are open doors right there. You begin to step into them, you begin to do them, you begin to acknowledge them, and uh, what supportive action can you take to see those, to see their dreams uh, become realities, you know? I sent mine halfway across the U.S. to help her dream become a reality. I want to see her succeed. I believe it's going to I believe it's going to make a huge impact on the church. I believe it's going to make a huge impact on our family. I believe it's going to make a huge impact on our marriage. Amen. And uh, and ultimately, it's just going to make a huge impact on her fulfilling uh, the things that God has placed in her to do. I want that. And there's sometimes there's sacrifices and things in that that we go through for our spouse. But what can you do? 
What can you do to to help your your spouse succeed in their career, as a in in family, uh, in ministry? You know what what can you do? So four practical ways to help your spouse succeed. Four practical ways to help your spouse succeed. Offer encouraging words. This goes a long way with my with my wife. Um, just give encouragement. Pastor Jason spoke on biblical encouragement two or three weeks ago, and it was so powerful and it was so true. And a lot of times we feel these things, but we don't always give them, right? We just, they know how I feel about them. But man, your words of affirmation and encouragement and whatever goes such a long way, and not just with our, with our spouse, but with each other. You know, God puts people on, on your heart. And I mean, when that happens, send that, send that text message. People will do that for me. I'll do that. I'll do that to them. I try to listen to the Holy Spirit, you know. And um, sometimes it'll be someone out of the blue. Not long ago, I just got home from work and, and, um, um, uh, and it was busy. I had a million things happening in my life right then. But someone that I hadn't spoken to for a couple years, Holy Spirit just put them on my heart, in my mind. I hadn't seen them or talked to them or anything. And uh, But man, there they were. And I'm like, well, that's strange, but it's not strange. So I got my phone right on my pocket, and I looked for them in there, and I called them. And uh, I mean, just 15 minutes before that, something had happened in their life. 15 minutes before. I had no idea. No idea. And I just said, hey man, God put you on my heart for a reason. I'm just calling to say hi, let you know. I, you know, I know I hadn't seen you for a while, but I love you and I care about you. And then they shared with me what was going on. And then I just encouraged them in the Lord. And man, God, only God knows how far those things go. And, uh, but to learn to do that in our, in our marriage and, um, to, to offer those and think about the good things in our spouses and how we can honor them and what we can speak into them. So begin to just offer encouraging words. It'll, it'll help your spouse succeed. Um, number two is take supportive action. Help them. What, what, can, what can you do for them? What can you do for them around the house or whatever? One of them's having a hard week or they're working a lot of overtime or extra things with the kids or kids have been sick or whatever and things are behind in the house or, you know, it goes by both ways, but, you know, just learning to recognize where each other are at and what we can do to help um, take a load off of one another and just help help push each other forward and ultimately succeed as, as parents, as, you know, husband and wife, in ministry, in our careers, you know, whatever that it is. How, how can we take supportive action and do something about it? Um, and then thirdly is, is being there to provide emotional support. Right? Rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. Like we're there for those emotions and, and we go through all of them no matter what and the things that God's called us to. And so it's being there and, and using that empathetic listening whenever they're going through a hard time and, and, uh, and, and just offering emotional support. And then, you know, whenever they get to the mountain peak and something happened and there's just big praise report, then we're there to give emotional support and encouragement and rejoice with them right there. But those things are, and it sounds so simplistic, and then yet it's often the simple things that make the biggest impact, and they're the things that we don't often do, right? Okay. The fourth one is express, express respect and honor for your spouse. Ex- express respect and honor for your spouse. <sighs> 
The only thing that I would say about that is, how many of you heard people say, you know, respect is earned? You guys heard that before? You agree with that? Respect and honor is a choice we make. I can respect and honor Rodney no matter what, because as I look at Rodney, I'm not looking at what he's done. I'm not looking at what he's not done. I'm looking at what's in him. I'm looking at the calling and the purposes and the things that I know that God has called him and created him to be and what's inside of him. And that's what I'm going to call out in him. Amen. And I can respect him and honor him for that. Doesn't mean that he's going to not make mistakes or have failures or this or whatever things that we've got to go through. But ultimately, respect and honor, it is a choice that we make to give to one another. And ultimately, it's, 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 it's locked eyes upon God's plan and purpose for them. Amen? And so, and again, that, that comes down at the, at the very core level in our marriages with one another. So offer encouraging words, take supportive action, provide emotional support, and express, choose to express respect and honor uh, to your spouse. I'll just finish with this, and we'll go on to number six. But I'm a firm believer that no one should be a bigger cheerleader to your spouse than you. No one. They they should they should never wonder if any if 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 they ever wonder if anyone is for them or not, they should never have to wonder that about their spouse. Right? I'm thankful for that. I've I've never have to wonder if Lori is for me. I know she's my biggest cheerleader. And because I know that she's my biggest cheerleader, she's also the one that has the most power to correct me. Right? She's also, because I know that, I know her intentions, I know her heart, I know that she's for me, I know that she's my cheerleader in all these things. She honors me, she respects me, and so when, 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 when I could have done something different or maybe something sound a little bit off or whatever, she can come and t- tell me that, and it, it, sh- it, it sharpens me, it doesn't pierce me. Come on. But where these things aren't established, and then we try to do that, it's a pierce. It's not a sharpening. Make sense? Okay. Okay. All right. Yay, Jesus, number six. This one's great. Maximize your differences. How are you different from your spouse? Maximize your differences. The truth is, too often couples allow their differences to divide them, right? Or we keep trying to change them and make them like us. So our personalities, um, temperaments, um, love languages, um, some people are early birds, some people are night owls, some people are are OCD, neat, clean, and tidy, and some people are not at all. Um, some 
Some are like, you know, we want to be around people 24-7. And then some of you like me are like, no, that's 1,000% not necessary. I'm good being home alone. And then yet they can't be home alone all the time or else things are not going to be good up here. (laughs) They need to be around people. Like we have all of these differences, how we do things, um, all this, all this different stuff. There's so many things about that. But so what I want us to take a minute and see tonight is that in God's design, our differences are to complement one another, not cause division. Like our our differences should complement one another and not cause divisions. They should be they should be assets and not liabilities when we learn to see them the right way and we be, and we learn to see our spouse through the right lens. So when we when we learn to maximize our differences like for the benefit of our marriage, then we're ultimately aligning our lives and our marriage with God's purpose because he created us that way. Okay? So we're kind of doing both things. It, it, ultimately, it's called it's called unity. So how do we maximize how do we maximize our differences? I just have a few things here. Um, number one, again, identify your differences. Anybody want to share uh, something not something just like a difference between you and your spouse or your fiance? Like like what, what, what's a what's a way that you two are different? Yeah. Can you say this without your wife being in here? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and she would, okay, okay. That's good. Yeah. That Lori and I are, are, are that way, other than when I'm pastoring. But outside of that, I'm like, lock me in my house and in my yard or in my boat or on my motorcycle. Yeah, it's good. How, how are you different? Who's neat and who's not neat? <laughs> it's so funny. I, I I don't have time for stories, but I'll do it anyways. But I was raised in, of course, it was just me and my sister, right? And so in my house, being raised up, everything had its place. Like I never saw anything sitting out. Nothing. No books. Um, there's a drawer, mom, you know, the Bibles were in, or like nothing, nothing was sitting out. There would not be even, even the salt and pepper shakers were in the cabinet, like nothing was out, right? And well, Lori, there's six of them, right? Six kids, so not, not so. And so we first got married, I'm like, why is your purse on the table? That makes no sense to me. Why is it hanging on the chair? Like, I would sit and watch TV, and that purse, like, just the purse being out, it would completely distract me. I couldn't handle it. I thought I was going to have a breakdown. <laughs> and we know now that that is not the end of the world. Life is going to go ahead and go on with our purse being out or this or that. And, and that became a little bit of a conflict because little things like that bothered me. She, um, I wasn't mean it. They just bothered me. She knew that it bothered me. So then those little things started to bother her. And then she kind of felt like, because it just wasn't a big deal to her. We, the house was always clean. It was always neat, neat. Like things were in their places. To her, they were just in places that I didn't think they should be at. <laughs> right? And so 
So early on, like that's what, those were bridges that we have to cross, and there are so many different things. But but I say this: learn, learn, learn to talk about it and identify your differences, and make it make it fun, make it fun. But identify your differences. Um, you need you need to know the ways in which you're different, okay? And then once you've identified them, then you look for assets in your differences, right? Right, because Lori helps me be not so serious about things. Um, she helps me relax because normally I don't relax. I'm not a relaxable guy, naturally, but she is. I think I told you in week one or two we'd be walking around the circle, and it's like I'm I'm walking like this. I'm looking down. I'm thinking. My hands are going like this because even though I'm not talking, I'm having a conversation in my head, and I'm not enjoying anything around me. She's like, "Are we walking together or not?" And then she'll like take her hand and she'll lift my chin up. She'll be like, Scott, look at the sky, right? And I'm like, okay, I can breathe. I can do this. Everything's going to be fine, right? And so we've learned how to do that. So look, look for assets in your, in, your, in your differences because the key to this is in maximizing your differences is you're both a team. So if you look at a team in a simple form of say a basketball team or a volleyball team every every player has strengths and weaknesses and so they put players in positions so that they could maximize each of the players differences right but so in marriage we're the same way we're one but yet we're two different people so it's important that we identify okay what's what what are our differences what where are your strong where am i weak whatever that it is and then and then we look for assets in those differences that we can use um, the third thing then is that we learn we learn from our differences, right? Knowing that they're not intended to divide us, but they're intended to unite us. So allow them to be complementary in your in your marriage. Okay, allow them to be complementary in your marriage. The fourth thing is um, replace condemnation with affirmation. So mutual affirmation creates an atmosphere for positive change. So don't, don't, don't continue to highlight what you think is a weakness in your spouse that is differences between. And I'm not talking about moral things or failures or things that we need to mature in and grow in and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm talking about our, just our natural differences in, in makeups. And so learn to, again, identify them, um, learn, uh, uh, look for the assets in them, um, then learn from them, like learn from the differences and make those adjustments uh, and then replace any condemnation uh, that you might speak about those differences with affirmation. And then the fifth thing is discover a plan. Just discover a plan for maximizing your differences. Um, who's going to do what, right? Like who's going to do what? Um, I'm uh, Through years and years of marriage counseling, I've learned that it's about 50-50 with men and women on who's better with finances, and who's not better with finances? So you learn you learn those things. I do all I do all of ours, 
And then Lori and I communicate them together so she always knows where we're at and this and that. But I'm usually the one that gets all the bills. I write them all out. I pay everything. I keep records of that stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so, again, we've, we've learned that. We've learned our differences. We've learned each other's strengths and weaknesses. And there's things that she does way better than I do. And so we've discovered that and we've learned how to maximize them. And then we support. And then once we do that, then then we support each other in those decisions, right? Right now, so whatever whatever she's stronger at in her differences, and those are the things that that she kind of runs with. Then I'm, I get behind her. Then I'm her cheerleader in those things. Okay, so learn to maximize your differences. They should unite you and not divide you. Okay, all right. The seventh thing is implement the power of a positive attitude. Implement the power of a positive or positive influence. I'm sorry. So I'm going to finish with this one, and I'm going to read a scripture to you. But um, this goes in every season of marriage. So if you're in spring or summer, implementing that power of a positive influence will help help you sustain and and maintain that place of health and life and and just having a strong marriage, just being a positive influence to one another. Um, the area that I think we miss this at sometimes is when when maybe a marriage is in fall or maybe it's even gone into winter and we're we're married but we're just basically living under the same roof. There's no affection. There's no affirmation. We're not using empathetic listening. Uh, people feel distant from one another. We're not communicating difficult things or good things or whatever it may be. Um, sometimes in that place, uh, you have a spouse that can begin to feel hopeless. They don't, you know, um, um, you know, maybe you and your spouse isn't on the same page. You want to fix things. You want to change things. You want to start doing things right. You want to begin to to work towards getting your marriage healthy and strong. And maybe you have a have a spouse sometimes that's like, man, we've tried that. It didn't work. I'm just tired. Let's just keep getting by, whatever that it may be. Maybe they seem unwilling to work on the marriage or unwilling to go to counseling or unwilling to give empathetic listening back to you. Um, so this is what I want to say about that. And I truly believe in the power of influence, don't you? I believe, I believe that, that if we do what God's called us to do, that it could impact our spouse 100%. Um, it, it, it only takes one spouse to lead a marriage into fall or winter. It only takes one, their decisions, their neglect, whatever. It takes two spouses to get a marriage into spring and summer and to sustain spring and summer. It takes both. But it only takes one spouse to influence the other spouse to get on the same page with one another so then together we can begin to influence our marriage and get it where it needs to be. Man, so I say, so it's never hopeless. So this power of influence that I'm going to talk about is so important. I think I think we need to know that it's true that you can't change your spouse, and I think that's a that's an important thing to get understood. Lori can't change me. I can't change her. It's actually relieving when you come to that revelation. You'll stop trying to do it. Um, you can't change your spouse, but it's also true that you can and do influence your spouse every day. 
And that's what God's called us to do, and that's, that's the authority and the power that we carry under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we must, so we got to first acknowledge that we can't directly change our spouse. We can't change their personality. We can't change their behaviors. That those, that's, that's God's job to work in that area. Uh, we can't control how they think or how they feel or the words that come out of their mouths. Um, but we can make requests. Um, we can make requests, but we can't change them. Um, and so I just wanted, wanted to drop this in real quick because this is so important. Um, but if you're in this place of, of being in an unhealthy place with your spouse, um, don't, don't use manipulation. And I see this a lot. Don't use manipulation. The idea behind manipulation is that if I do this, my 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 spouse will be forced to do that. If I do this, my spouse will be forced to do that. That that's manipulation, and that will get you nowhere. In other words, if I can make him happy enough, right? If I can make him happy enough, then he'll do this. Or if I can make him miserable enough, right? If I can just completely shut him down and shut him off, whatever it may be, then he'll do this. But the reality is, every effort of manipulation will ultimately fail. It, it won't last because, in the end, they have the freedom to choose their response. Okay, so we got to make sure that in everything that we're doing, we're doing it for the health and life of our marriage and for that person, and not doing something with the motive of getting them to respond a certain way. Okay, so how do we how do we have the how do we have the ability to influence our spouse, um, either either positively or negatively? We do by by word, by deed, in action, and ultimately, I feel like in our own personal pursuit of the Lord. Like that's where everything's going to come from. As we're pursuing him and we're getting closer to him, the greater our influence is going to be on our spouse. So everything you do or say influences them for better or for worse. Um, your love, your affection, your affirmation, all of those things are influencing your spouse or withholding those things are influencing your spouse. So it could go either direction, but we need to understand the power of our influence with one another and that when you choose to have a positive influence on your spouse, no matter or regardless of how you feel or what you're getting in return, I've learned this. It's really hard to fight against love. It's a lot easier to fight someone that's fighting back at you, isn't it? Right? Like, it helps us. It kind of fuels us. Then the more they fight back, then it's like, oh, that gives me some more ammunition, then I can fight back harder. But I tell you, it's really hard to fight back someone that is lavishly loving on you, right? That's lavishly loving on you. So, um, anywho, uh, choose, choose to have a positive influence regardless of how you feel or what you're getting in return. Your positive choices lead, lead to positive actions that will result in positive feelings for, and for you, not, not just for them, but when we're doing this God way, God's way, it, it, it impacts how we feel. Ultimately, we know love covers over, right? Everybody say that, love covers over. So refuse to be controlled by your emotions. Refuse it. Holding back on uh, and, 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 and refuse to hold back on the power of your influence. Choose a different response and choose, choose a, a positive um, influence. Here's a, here's a strong verse. I'm going to close with this. Um, this goes both directions. So wives... Uh, this this goes both ways, but in First Peter three one it it uses the wife. But this is what it says. You ready? 
And this, this is what I'm talking about, the power of influence. This is biblically. It says, wives likewise, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct, which is your influence, by the conduct of their wives. First Peter 3, 1 says, your, your influence can change your, your husband or your wife's heart. It can change them, Right? Respond biblically, choose the power of influence, apply these other things, implement, fight for your marriage, sustain it. Um, Hopefully we are all, I believe, in a healthy place. We're in summer. We're all in summer, right? (laughs) Oh no, we are not in summer. Okay, spring, stay there. Spring and summer, okay, stay there. That uh, that's where God wants us at. Marriage is so good. It is real, and it is hard work. Uh, remember one thing that I said in the first couple weeks is that outside of communication, which is part of it, but one of the number one causes of an unhealthy marriage is neglect. Don't neglect your marriage. Do these things. Be the positive influence. Be an empathetic listener. All these things that we talked about, God's given us so many tools. And I'll close with this, I promise. In um, I'm not going to read it even though I want to, but you all know it. In Matthew chapter 7 is the parable of the wise and foolish builders, right? Right? I'm going to leave you with this. The wise builders built their house, built their family, built their marriage on this. No matter how they felt, they built it on the Word of God. The foolish builders built their house on the sand. Here's what we miss sometimes. What happened to the wise builder and the foolish builder? Huh? To both. The rains came, the floods came, and the winds came to the wise builder and the foolish builders. All of these changes that happen in life that sometimes put us in cycles that take us from spring to summer to fall to winter, and then we just keep this thing going, is the life. And it is, it's the floods, and it's the, it's the wind, and it's the rain, and it's the storms, right? So we all experience things in our marriage, but if you'll be built on the rock, right? If you're built on the rock, your marriage is going to stay healthy. It's going to stay full. It's going to stay happy. It's going to stay full of glory. You're going to sharpen one another. You're going to experience everything that God intended for your marriage. And I just bless you to build your house on the rock in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? So let's thank the Lord real quick for what he gave us the last four weeks. I hope you've been encouraged and strengthened. I want to pray over you real quick. So, God, we just thank you for tonight. I thank you for these amazing men and women, God. And, Lord, I've sat where they're sitting, and I've sat there through marriage classes when Lori and I were holding hands, and we were just so excited that we were sitting there during that that training. We were in our summer marriage, and I've sat where they're sitting during, during marriage classes and things where we wasn't holding hands, and we were in a hard season, and we felt uh, distant from one another, and we were upset with one another, and things weren't where we needed to be. And God, only you know where people are at tonight in this house, and those maybe who might 
might be listening online, God, and I just speak hope into them. I speak life into them. I speak into that spouse tonight, God, that wants to see change but don't know if their other spouse does, God, that they'll understand the power of influence and, and building, beginning to build on the rock, God, and, and loving their spouse the way that you've called them to and being an empathetic listener. And God, just all these tools that you've given us, God, I just speak life and hope into them in Jesus' name. I bless every marriage, those marriages in summer, God. May they maintain it. May they nurture it. May they continue to take care of the labor that got them where they're at, God, and that they can stay there. We never have to come out of summer, God, if we do it your way. Like, we can truly dwell there all the time. Even when the rains and the storms and that stuff comes, God, we can stay there, God. Help us to get to that place in our marriage, Lord, and just bless these young people, God, that are just beginning to enter into marriage. Those are maybe that are in their first five years or so of marriage, God, and help them grow, help them to mature, help them help them learn how to navigate through these things, and ultimately, Lord, help them learn how to lean on you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to help work these things in us and through us, and so I just bless the marriages. May Boonville Worship Center have strong men and women and strong marriages and strong homes that are built on the rock. And God, I just give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 